Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, the Tiger Basketball beat writer at the Commercial Appeal. Uh, We are coming to you uh, a few days before Memphis heads to Brooklyn to take on Virginia Tech in the NIT season tip-off, also a few days removed from Memphis, improving to 4-0 on the season with a win over Western Kentucky, uh, sort of its first challenge of the year against Western Kentucky and probably its first test of the year against Virginia Tech. So we will break down the Western Kentucky game, uh, give you sort of not just takeaways from the game, but what, what from the game can also be sort of transferred over to how we're feeling about the Tigers heading into uh, their trip to Brooklyn, and, and then we'll get you ready for uh, feast week for Memphis, if you will, with these two games up in Brooklyn over the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, so lots to get to. Uh, Jason, let's start, though, with that game Friday night. Um, Memphis tied at halftime against Western Kentucky, ends up winning by 12, Um outscored Western Kentucky by 22 over the final 28 minutes of regulation. So sluggish start ends up and they end up uh, turning things around and the talent kind of overwhelms them. But, you know, turnovers were an issue yet again. Uh, And in this game, for the first time all season, the Tigers did not shoot the ball well from outside. Uh, Amani Bates had his first sort of subpar game. Um, Landers Nolly wasn't great. Uh, Alex Lomax had a lot of turnovers. DeAndre Williams was up and down. Uh, but as Penny Hardaway said it that night, thank God for Jalen Duren. Uh, he was pretty unbelievable uh, with a near 20-20 game. 22 points, 19 rebounds, 5 blocks. Uh, as you survey what happened in that game, put it into context with the three other games this season, and consider what it all means now that the schedule is going to start to ramp up, what did you take away from uh, Memphis's win over Western Kentucky, Jason? Well, I mean, you don't you don't feel great about it. It's not it's not just that they turned the ball over twenty six times. It's not just that they uh, shot so poorly. It was like what twelve and a half percent from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's that alone because on its own, that's fine. But it's that the turnovers are still a trend they're still a thing and it's that the Not three just a points thing, they've gotten worse i mean honestly, yeah it's gotten worse yeah i mean like it's 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 just it doesn't feel like that's ever going to go away they may they may have a few games here and there maybe even put together a nice stretch like they did in the nit last year where they only averaged like 12 or 13 turnovers a game but 
it just that's that's who they are i'm afraid unless unless they make some fundamental changes to how penny hardaway runs the show that's what they're going to be now more often than not especially this year they're going to be able to overcome that sort of thing because they turn the other team over the way they do uh they're so good defensively they they can make up for it they can shoot the ball so well uh or have shot the ball so well this season that they can make up for it they're they're bench is so deep uh when you're talking about guys like Landers Nolly and Earl Timberlake and Tyler Harris and Josh Minot all coming off the bench uh they can overcome uh 26 turnovers in a game and still win by double digits but the other part of this is that they're going into the are I mean like what's I think is going to end up being the real teeth of their schedule on kind of a sour note right mm-hmm. I mean like you know, you got Virginia Tech on Wednesday. Uh, depending on how things shake out, you might have Xavier on Friday, uh, number twenty-five Xavier, by the way. Um, and then not long after, you got the uh, uh, road game against Georgia. You got the road game against Ole Miss. You got Alabama at home. You got Tennessee at the neutral site. Like this is the real. These next three weeks, four weeks, are going to be uh, just critical for their postseason outlook and they're kind of going into it you know not playing so hot and that's that's really again you know you you can live with a, an off night shooting you can live with especially when you win by a dozen you can live with a bunch of turnovers but it's going into you know it's right on the doorstep of this critical stretch that i think is the most concerning part yeah and you know the turnovers they've been an issue with Penny coach teams the entire time he's been at Memphis. But as I mentioned, they're worse than ever. Memphis is in terms of turnovers per game, the worst in division one basketball right now, averaging more than 21 and a half, I think 21 and a half turnovers per game. Nobody is averaging more turnovers per game. Now Memphis does play at a much faster pace than most teams in the country, but still it's not much better when you go with turnover rate, you know, they're still among the worst teams in NCAA. Um, and then when you look at it, really delve deep into it. I mean, Amani Bates leads the team in turnovers per game. Um, Jalen Duran second with three per game. And then Alex Lomax also averaging three per game. But if you look, if you dive deeper, he has a turnover rate of 41.7% right now, Jason. That means more than 41% of the time he has the ball in his hands, it's a turnover. That's not great for your starting point guard. And by not great, I mean it's horrible. Um, especially when he's in his fourth year. Yes. Um, it is not, but like, you know, the alternatives aren't great either because there's only two players on the entire roster who have under 20, an under 20% turnover rate right now. It's Tyler Harris and Jaden Hardaway. And I think it speaks to maybe some, you know, some people have wondered why, you know, especially Jaden's played as much as he has. Um, I think it speaks to, you know, like that seems like a pretty good reason to play him. Like he's one of the few guys who, and even like 20% isn't even like a great threshold. Like 20% turnover rate is pretty bad still, but it's not horrendous like some of the guys on the team. And so um, they got a real problem here, but it's been a problem for three years running now. And you do wonder if they can fix it. And, And to your point, like whether this is just something you know, like some teams have to overcome, well, we don't have any big guys. And, you know, some teams have to overcome, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we, we can't shoot the ball. 
Like Memphis, it feels like all season might just have to overcome. Well, we're going to throw the ball away one every one every four possessions, just like we have in the past. And like I, I don't know. Um, now, to your point, though, they did for the last seven games of last season. They only averaged about twelve turnovers per game, and it coincided with you know the biggest accomplishment the program's had since twenty fourteen, the NIT yeah. championship. I don't think that's a coincidence, right. um, because what's stunning about these first four games is. You think about what they would have won by if they didn't just give up, give away, you know, 20. I think their turnover rate right now is like 27.6. Like if 27 point, if like only 15% of their uh, or 20% of their possessions were thrown away rather than 27%, you do wonder how much they would win these, be winning these games by. Um, so, and it, you know, it just feels like it's something that's going to bite you in the butt against a good team. And they're about to, as, as you pointed out, they're about to start playing some good teams. Um, and, uh, it's interesting. And then the other big, I thought, takeaway from that game, Jason, uh, against Western Kentucky was how Penny managed the rotation in that game. He played, I think it was like 11 guys in eight minutes to start the game and like was subbing rapid fire during the first half to the point that at one moment there were six guys on the floor during a Western Kentucky free throw and nobody on the court, including Penny Hardaway, knew who was actually supposed to be in the game for a second. Like, that's how many substitutions were going on at once. Yeah. Um, and then at halftime, Penny even said in the post in the halftime interview, like, I'm been, we're doing too many subs. Like, he knew it, too. And then in the second half, course corrected and shortened the bench, shortened the rotation to the point that the last 10 minutes or so, he barely subbed at all um, as Memphis closed the game out. Um, it was, it, you know, I was just, you know, some people have critiqued some of the choices he made, like playing Lomax the last 12 minutes of the game and not bringing back Earl Timberlake, who was having an encouraging second half, probably his best stretch of basketball at Memphis, not playing Josh Minot in the second half. But personally, I was just happy to see him shorten the bench. Like, yeah. you know, if you want, you know, we can quibble with what he decided to do with the rotation. I think it's a good step forward that he at least shortened it and uh, and not only shortened it, but clearly recognized he had to shorten it and that that was causing some of their problems. Um, what were your I guess what were your observations on on how the rotation went against Western Kentucky and what it could look like moving forward? Well, before we do that, I'm sitting here looking at the box score and I I didn't notice this until now, but uh uh, Western Kentucky's Davion McKnight, Davion McKnight, yeah, leading had, scorer, had ten turnovers uh, against yep. Memphis the other night. Lomax, like Lomax, to his credit, like he turns the ball over a lot. But if I bet you go back and watch the film, he created a decent chunk of those turnovers. Yeah, I mean, so Lom Alex finished with four steals and four assists. I mean, that and does six help. Turnovers. Yeah, six turnovers. That you know, you you combine four assists and four steals, compare it to six turnovers. That helps certainly, but again, yeah, I still can't have six turnovers from your point guard is unacceptable. From it's your fourth year, yes, from your fourth year, unacceptable. Point, yes, I agree, unacceptable. Especially when I think three of them were like in the last two to two and a half minutes, three minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was it was it was not good. Uh, when you're supposed to be pulling away and putting the game away, he was still turning the ball over, which just. Well, yeah. yeah. When I found it interesting when Penny was talking about the rotation at the end of that game, 
both after the game and then uh, Monday, speaking before they went to Brooklyn, after the game, he said, in explaining kind of why he rode like five guys, and I think it was Lomax, Landers Nolly, Amani Bates, Lester Quinones, and Jalen Duran. In That's the right. moment, he said, I went with who I kn- what I knew. And then Monday, a few days later, when I asked him about it, he, he sort of explained he wanted to go with guys who were serious on both ends of the four, like who knew their assignments, who he could trust to know their assignments and sort of do what he was instructing them to do. Um, I found both of those comments to be very interesting um, and and wonder what that means for the rotation moving forward. Uh, what do you think? Well, so you and I have talked about this uh, a little bit since, since Friday and I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm looking at the box score as we talk and uh, you know, people might look at the, at the, at the way the second half played out and see DeAndre Williams played seven minutes, only seven minutes. Um, he scored in those seven minutes in the second half, he scored four points and had four rebounds. Pretty good. Uh, he also had a steal in there, but he also had a technical foul, which he had, you know, I don't know off the top of my head how many he had last year, but it's no secret. DeAndre Williams is a very passionate, uh, individual and technical fouls can really hurt a team, uh, that's trying to, you know, trying to win a game. Um, and so, you know, I just, we talked about this before uh, on your radio show. We talked about this before on your radio show. Um, you know, Penny has been sort of not critical, but he's been, uh, you know, outspoken, I guess. He's not shied away from saying that he wants more out of Neandre Williams and, you know, I, I just wonder if that might have had something to do with why he was put back, you know, why he wasn't trusted in crunch mm-hmm. time. And then Earl Timberlake uh, has only played now four games for Penny Hardaway. And, yeah, he was doing really well. He had eight points in eight minutes in the second half and then didn't see the floor again uh, from like the eight and a half minute mark on. Um, I think that's probably because Penny felt like he could trust Alex Lomax, his fourth-year guy, he's been playing with him since the sixth grade. We've all heard the stories. Um, so what? All that to say, it, it's going to be. What do you think? Do you think he's going to take what he saw against Western Kentucky and um, use that as to inform his decisions uh, moving forward? Like, is he going to, you know, remember what Alo did? in that in down the stretch of that game and 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 be like i i don't i don't know if i can trust him as much as i could a week ago or uh whatever i I, like that's my biggest question is do you think you know what do you think he's gonna what what do you think he's gonna do about that how's this for him and han yes and no i think in certain situations yes i think deandre williams is going to be a major part of the team i think alex lomax is going to be a major part of the team but I also think, I hope, maybe this is wishful thinking, I think we're going to see a shorter rotation in New York. I think, you know, it might not be exactly the players those on the outside think should be in it, but I think we're going to see a shorter rotation. Um, I, I think there's too much evidence that this is what he needs to do, and I yeah. think he knows it. Um, and so... 
I don't think it's going to be, you know, exactly what everyone thinks it should be. But that's why you're paying Penny Hardaway to be the head coach. Like, it's his call, ultimately, who's in the rotation, how he deploys them. And, you know, it's our job to critique it afterwards, depending on the results. Against Western Kentucky, you know, while it got tenuous at times, I don't think you can argue that they were successful once they shortened the rotation, even if it was, you know, even if, like, you, know, you felt like maybe Josh Minot deserved to be in there, but wasn't. But, like, it worked just fine, just like, you know, it would make sense that DeAndre Williams is part of your closing lineup, given all he did last year. But you know what? It worked fine without him, too. Um, yeah. So, like, these are Penny's calls. This is why he's paid the big bucks. This is why he's in the position he's in. And this is why, you know, he'll be open, especially with this roster, open to criticism if it doesn't work. Um, so I, I would say to a certain extent, yes. But, like, he can't quit Alex Lomax. Like, 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 like as weird as that is, you know, like, it just doesn't feel like it just he's he believes in Alex Lomax. Whether the evidence suggests he should believe in Alex Lomax doesn't really matter at this point, I think. Right. Um, it does matter, but I don't think you're like Penny's not changing his mind on that. Um, Alex Lomax is going to get a chance in every game because I think Penny views Alex Lomax as the only real point guard this team has. Um, and so he want he wants him to succeed. And in theory, he's right. It's just, you know, I, I don't understand. Like, if someone's turning the ball over 41% of the time they have the ball, I, I don't really consider that person a point guard. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you can't turn the ball over that much and be a point guard. So Lomax has to improve his play. Um, and, you know, I think Penny needs to be open to trying some other things when Lomax is turning the ball over, like going back to Earl Timberlake or, you know, giving Imani Bates a little more time on the ball. But I don't think to get back to your original point that this is just going to be a problem. I don't think there's a perfect solution. Um, Cause I think we would have seen it even this early in the season, we would be, it would look differently if there was something on the roster that would completely solve this team's turnover problems. A problem by the way, that transcends this team. Like it's been happening for years now. Uh, I think it might just be a trait of a Penny Hardaway team. They they're careless with the ball for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so, and, and and as you put it, the question is: Are they talented enough to overcome it? I think we're going to get a much better sense of that uh, this week when they go to Brooklyn to play Virginia Tech and then either Xavier or Iowa State. Um, before we discuss uh, this Brooklyn trip, let me tell you about the new sports app we've launched as a part of our USA Today family here at the Commercial Appeal. USA Today Sports Plus is the new sports app that puts the fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings, and enjoy interactive experiences with our award-winning sports writers like Jason Munz. Download USA Today Sports Plus from the Apple or Google Play stores today. Uh, USA Today Sports Plus. Fan harder. That's a that's a that's a low that's a slogan right there. Fan harder. Um, big week if you're a Memphis fan, let me tell you. Um, Memphis gets Virginia Tech, who's undefeated, just outside the top 25 in the newest AP poll. And if you win that game, more than likely, you're going to get a game against Xavier on Friday night in Brooklyn, 
who is now at number 25 in the AP poll, coming off a win against Ohio State. So two chances this week, Jason, for Memphis to get quad one, more than likely wins that will be quad one wins when we get to Selection Sunday. And we know how important these non-conference games are for a team like Memphis that's in a league like the American, where quad one wins are few and far between. You're not going to get that many opportunities outside of your two, you'll get your two games against Houston, probably, and then maybe like, you know, maybe the road game at Wichita State or the road game at SMU. But other than that, they're few and far between in the AAC. Um, so this Wednesday game in particular against Virginia Tech feels just like a huge, huge game in the sense that you lose it, you're probably going to leave Brooklyn with no quad one wins because Iowa State is not good this year. Um, and that's well, who you're like. Sorry, go ahead. Well, Iowa State's 4-0. Yeah, but they're not viewed like – that's fool's gold. Who have they beaten? Oregon State. Yeah. Um, there's a re- Ask Tyler Harris about how good Iowa State's going to be. They went winless in the Big 12 last year. That's not going to be viewed as a good win uh, come March. Um, so likely Xavier beats them Wednesday. But if you lose to Virginia Tech, a quality opponent, you leave Brooklyn likely with no quad one wins when you come into the week thinking, well, maybe we can get two quad one wins out of this. And then you add on the fact that, you know, this is going to be for by and large for the national college basketball audience. This is going to be the first time they see this Memphis team. This is going to be the first impression of this Ballyhooed team. It's going it, to, a narrative is going to be formed based off of what Memphis does this week. It, it's not a narrative that's set in stone, either good or bad, but it will be a narrative that is set nationally um, based on the talent they have and, and all that. You know, there's a lot of expectations for this team. Um, so I, I just think it's, a, you know, the biggest week of non-conference play is very clearly when they play Alabama at home and then Tennessee on the road. I'd say this is arguably the second biggest week on the schedule just in terms of the opportunities you have if you're Memphis. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's uh... – in a lot of ways, the way you kind of just laid it out, it's boom or bust, you know? I mean, and this first game is kind of the the key to it because you do have to assume that Xavier's going to beat Iowa State, and if you end up having to play Iowa State, it's it's not going to do anything for you. Beating them is not going to do anything for you, so uh, nothing meaningful anyway. Um, and losing to them would be just awful. So, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, this this week – could very well put, you know, it, it could very well put a lot of college basketball on notice if Memphis is able to go up there and uh, take care of business, beat Virginia Tech, and then uh, depending on how things play out, you know, they could they could either be they could they could yeah they could leave with uh, uh, it's you know it's the ideal situation obviously is getting two two uh, uh, quad one wins, but that's one way or the other more than likely that's not how it's going to play out. Um, Cause if you beat Virginia tech, uh, well, you could, I mean, you, you, you could beat uh, uh, both. Of- yeah, they, can, they can easily, they're talented enough. That's the thing about this team. Like we talked about the turnover troubles, like they're, you know, they go in and get, they go play against Virginia tech and they commit 13, 14, 15 turnovers. I think they're going to win the game. Same yeah. against Xavier. Like they're more talented than both these teams. Um, but 
you know, it feels like, you know, Virginia Tech, now they haven't really beaten anyone yet, but they return most of their team from last year's NCAA tournament team, and it'll be a game of contrast. Like, Virginia Tech is going to play deliberate. They don't turn the ball over much. They're in the top 40 in the country in turnovers per game. Um, They have good – you know, they they know what they are. Um, They shoot the ball really well. Uh, they they shoot they shoot from three like right now in Ken Palm again they haven't played great competition but they're top twenty in effective field goal percentage both offensively and defensively they are a complete team um, and they've got ex- guys who have been in big games Kivi Aluma you know is one of the better players in the ACC um, they just they've got a bunch of juniors and seniors who are who lead them. And so they've been through some battles together. They know what they are, who they are, and what they're capable of. Um, Memphis, while does have more experience than it has in the past, I think it's still we're seeing is still figuring out who they are, what they are, and what they can do. Now the difference is they start from a base level that's much higher than Virginia Tech because the talent is so much better at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, like. Do I would I be wor- as worried about this game as I am from a Memphis perspective in February? No, I wouldn't. I think Memphis in February would be fine. You know, you wouldn't be really worried. I mean, you it'd be a tough game, but you wouldn't feel the same way you do right now. I think part of the concern in this is that you know it's been uneven through four games, in just in terms of the execution. Like you see what this team is, what this team's potential is, but you also see that it's not all the way together yet you know like they're they're still figuring some things out and so but with a team this talented if it clicks you know watch out like you know this could be you know this could easily be the moment when they announce themselves as yeah this is a top 10 team and by the way memphis is a top 10 team now they moved to number nine in the ap poll this week this is a top 10 team that's capable of making the final four it could just as easily be an experience this week where you know you go okay. They aren't quite ready yet for prime time. They that doesn't mean they won't be ready for prime time, but they're not ready right now. Um, so, and, and even Penny said it. He's like part of his excitement level is he he wants to see. He always I always find it funny he calls them boys. Um, you know, I he's he's interested to see what are the boys capable of right now. You know, like right now in the middle of November, end of November, beginning of the season. What is this group? ready to do um because i think there's no doubt in my mind this team's not going to be the same in february march as it is right now um, so but the, but the biggest problem with that is that by february or march when they're when they're when we assume they're going to be clicking on all cylinders outside of houston mm-hmm. uh you, like your chances of your chances it, of making you know real hay uh for for like seating possibilities and prospects and that, and that sort of thing are gone. Yeah. No, if you think Memphis is a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, you got to get, you know, you got to get some of these quad one wins. Like yeah, you yeah. just have to in non-conference play. Like you can't, uh, you can't let, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's required to go two and O this weekend, or even if like they go zero and two, it means they're not going to make the tournament. And by no means that do I mean that, but I do think if you go zero and two in this, you're basically putting yourself in a position where you need to beat both Alabama and Tennessee to really think you have a legitimate chance 
I shouldn't say 0 and 2, but if you if you don't get a quad one win here, your only other quad one wins in non-conference play more than likely are going to be either Alabama or Tennessee. Maybe the Ole Miss road game becomes one, but you know, you need two or three quad one wins just, you know, to be in that to even start having that conversation about being a top 4 seed. And when there's only going to be a couple in AAC play, you know, it magnifies these games um, even more so than they already are. Um, so that you know, so it's just a, it's a, it's a big early season moment. Penny called it the first real test for this first big test for this group, and that's what it is. It, it, this is a early litmus test to see, you know, how good are these guys right now? Um, yeah. Like they've looked good in spurts. There's moments like when Jalen Duran is taking over a game without a play even really being called for him, or when Amani Bates is pulling up and for these like outlandish three-pointers. And when, you know, you look, you know, when Landers Nolly is doing stuff other than shooting the basketball, there's all these different snippets we've seen so far that give you this suggestion that, you know, the, the feeling that, okay, this is what, this is what we thought. Um, and uh, there's also, though, been moments like with all the turnovers and, you know, some of these shaky, the shake, you know, that Western Kentucky game, even the St. Louis game where you're like, okay, it's not all the way there yet. There's, they still got some kinks to work out. And so, you know, what team is it right now? I, I don't know. I, I do think they are going to have to play better than they've played in the first four games in order to beat teams like Virginia Tech and Xavier. I think they're fully capable of playing better than they have. Um, but I, I just don't think I don't think you're going to turn the ball over 26 times like you did against Western Kentucky on a neutral floor and feel good about your chances of winning. I, I just don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you just but you can still commit 15 turnovers, which for most teams isn't great. And I think I'd feel really good about their chances of winning if they just cut it down to 15 turnovers. Yeah, I mean, look, like by doing that, you are. Like you, 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 you cut down the turnovers and you keep playing defense the way they do. I mean, that's part of it. Like, despite the fact that they commit 26 turnovers, their defense is so good that the other team is not converting that into like crazy points off turnover numbers. Western like, Kentucky shot under 30% from the field after halftime the other night. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, there, there's a lot to like about this Memphis team. You can see why, like I, I've said it all along, like just as long as they make the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a threat no matter what seed they are. But if you're if you're thinking this is going to be like one of those special, special seasons where they get more than 30 wins and they're, you know, among the top teams in the country, like there are things they need to clean up in order to be that. They're just yeah. soft. Um, yeah. And it goes, it's from the rotation to the turnovers. Um, those to me are the two main things. You get those things figured out, uh, I, I, this team has all the makings of the great team we expected going into the year. Um, they're not quite there yet. Like they're number nine in the country, but they have not played like the ninth best team in the country yet. Um, they are very capable though, of being a top, you know, playing like a top 10 team, in which case, you know, they could really, you know, they could make a statement this week. If they go out and get two convincing wins over Virginia tech and Xavier, that'd be a big statement to the rest of the country that, the hype is real, baby. Like, yeah. you know, they have the chance for that. Yeah, and you don't even have to, like, fix all the problems. No. Uh, just just improve in, in some of these areas and fine-tune 
some of these areas. And this could be, I mean, Penny said it the other day after the St. Louis game, it could be scary. And he's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So big, big spotlight moment for the program a little bit, bit here. It'll be, they'll be in Brooklyn at Lander center or Lander center at, uh, at the Barclays center. Um, at the Lander Center, not quite the same spotlight as uh, as the Barclays Center. Um, I was thinking it's the Lander's Nolly revenge game. You know, right. Lander's Nolly, Virginia Tech transfer. Um, you have a story up at commercialappeal.com about that. Um, and um, But it's also because it's in New York, you know, like, let's just be honest. I think it'll, they'll be playing in front of the cr- actual crowd will probably be small, like, relatively speaking, because it's, you know, like, I just don't know how much a – Virginia Tech Memphis game is going to draw in New York, although I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, a good chunk of Memphis fans going for the holidays. But there'll be a lot of basketball people there, you know, whether it's NBA scouts, whatever, because it's New York and because Amani Bates and Jalen Duran are Amani Bates and Jalen Duran. Um, so how they handle that will be interesting, too, because um, this is a this is a moment where. Memphis, can, like I said, can kind of announce itself nationally from a college basketball perspective, but also a chance for Imani Bates and Jalen Duran to kind of, you know, show themselves as college basketball players to these NBA scouts, maybe also for the first time in person. You know, like there's some have been down to FedEx Forum for these first four games. There's been a decent chunk, but I imagine there will be more than ever at, at Barclays uh, this weekend. Don't this forget week. about... Don't forget about the couple dozen uh, uh, friends and family members uh, of, of Lester Quinones. Uh, it's it's yeah going back homecoming game for him too. Yeah, yeah. And, no, it should be uh, should be. I, I'm really looking forward to watching these games because I think you know I really think there, there's a scenario here where they put it all together and really make a a, a statement. Um, there's also a scenario where you know they're not quite ready yet. Um, and I'm really anxious. I think we're going to have a much better sense of where this team is at, how ready they are to be a contender this year once we get out of this week. Yeah. Uh, it's not to say no, nothing this week is the end-all, be-all, but I do think we're going to have a much better sense of what this team is and what they can do right now when we get out of this week um, when they after they play these two games. Yep. All right, well, G- Jason is spending his Thanksgiving up in Brooklyn. He'll be there chronicling everything uh, for us at the Commercial Appeal uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, Be sure you are checking out his coverage at CommercialAppeal.com. I'll also be writing uh, off the games as well, giving my thoughts uh, for these two big games. But uh, a lot going on. You should also make sure, again, subscribe to our Tiger Basketball newsletter. Uh, You'll get exclusive stories and columns from Jason and I uh, delivered to your email inbox. If you're if you're looking for the link, you can go to commercialpeel.com or check out my Twitter page at MGNato. It's pinned to my Twitter page, the link to, to sign up for the Tiger Basketball newsletter. We've also got a Memphis sports newsletter uh, that you can sign up for if you're looking to keep tabs on everything going on in uh, Memphis sports, Grizzlies, Tigers, high school sports, all that and more. Uh, And we've also got a nifty Instagram page at mem.sports that you should be following as well. Again, lots of ways to get your commercial appeal content. Um, I'd like to think no one covers the Tigers like the commercial appeal. So um, hopefully uh, you're enjoying our work. Hopefully you'll check it out. Um, Till next week, 
I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll uh, check back in with you next week, hopefully talking about a, a big-time statement made by the Memphis basketball program. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.